if you were to buy a Lamborghini, what color would you get it in? I would never buy a Lamborghini. Let's say a Ferrari. If, if I would never buy a Ferrari. I, okay, okay. If Can I were you to play the sorry, God yes, yes, sorry, damn sorry, game. Sorry. How? Okay, okay, how okay. Perfectly. Fair. Do I need to set this question up <laughs> so that it suits the conditions by which you possess okay, a nice car? Fine, fine, fine. Welcome back to Oops the Podcast. All right, lots to unpack here. I got something for you. Please. Julio, Julio, I don't know. <laughs> Where you came up with that idea? Dude, this guy was a huge turkey. What is this, Japan? Which is one of the reasons why I hadn't told you about it. No, and I also just assumed you were saving it for the pod if you were going to tell me. Yeah, yeah. Which, of course you were. Oh, yeah. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Oops! The Podcast. I'm Julio, hanging here with Francis. What is going on? Yeah, feeling good. Ready to ready to talk to you. Yeah, we're ruler threaded up. Yeah, we sure are. R O T. You know me. You know me. Um, letting her rip. So, dude, Francis and I had an interesting discussion the other day about a certain topic. But I want to, I want to sort of get there because we never ended up talking about you going to the NBA finals when you did. Oh yeah. And I know that it's been a few weeks now, but. What an interesting, to me, it was just the idea of being at the game where it all ends is like super interesting. I've never come close to that moment mm. uh, and I would love to hear about it. Yeah, I went to game six of the NBA finals and the Celtics lost and I purchased tickets to the game at a time when it certainly seemed likely that that would be the game where the Celtics clinched the nba championship Mm -hmm. at home and it never even occurred to me that they not only might be fighting for to push to game seven because they'd be down three two which they Mm -hmm. were but that they might actually lose the championship while i was there yeah which is exactly what happened and it was the most disappointing thing ever yeah there wasn't a whole lot of good about that experience. Yeah. I can't lie. Uh, you know, I don't think a whole lot of true sports fans would ever say, oh, yeah, I was at the game where the opposing team won a championship. Right, right, right. Pretty iconic. Yeah. It's an interesting uh, thing for sure. It's just man. deeply, deeply disheartening. So much so, in fact, that the game ended. And I turned to my friend and I said, you know, do we want to stick around for the trophy presentation and the uh, presentation of the MVP of the finals award? And we were, he was like, no. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> right. me neither. Right, right. Yeah. I don't want to continue to feel this. Watch the celebration for the other team. Totally. You know, you give your team applause uh-huh. for their good season and you thank them for coming within two games of winning the championship, and then you get out of there and you lick your wounds. Yeah, and it's it, exactly, but it, it's such an imperfect moment in sports, the inevitable possibility that you can win the championship on the road. Mm-hmm. You know, it almost is like the tip-off to me, although the tip-off, at least there's potentially a solution. Like, it seems more obvious that there could be a solution. How do you possibly come to terms with the winning the championship on the road problem it is it is a problem it's Um, crazy i'm trying to think you know one thing that's cool about soccer uh is that for a lot of the major championships 
the Champions League final, uh, the World Cup, it's almost always in a neutral location. Right, which is another reason why football is such a well-designed yes, league. Yes, the Super Bowl being... Because at least neutral. that means half of your fans, that the stadium is, is probably typically half of your fans. Yeah. Chris, is that wrong? Do I have this? It's just wrong? rich people. The Super Bowl? That's yeah, true. Yeah, that's weird. Fine, fine. Let's Guys, exclude. Chris worked for the Rams. I lost the Super Bowl. So I know what you feel. Um, yeah, 2018, we went to the Super Bowl and lost to the fucking Patriots. Mm. And I was on the field, and that was pretty bad. Was that one in L.A.? No, it was in Atlanta. Oh. What yeah. is the locker room like after that? Oh, sad. Just it's sad? No one's saying anything. Does anybody not like, give a shit? No, everyone cares. What do you mean? You yeah. work your whole life oh, of course, for that. Of course, of course. Sorry, but, I didn't mean to No, no, that. it's fine. But my dad always makes this point. Like, there's this Roger Federer. I was playing Djokovic in the finals of Wimbledon, fifth set. He was kind of old already, and like he had d- double match point on his serve, and he lost the I match. And like it crushed me. And I would tell my dad, and my dad's like, "Dude, the guy has like eight hundred mil. Like, don't feel that bad for him." And I was like, "Okay, that's fine. Like, I'll yes, I accept but he, that." But he has eight hundred mil because he cares so much. But because he's so good and is so decorated already is another good point too. I guess my point is you don't become that good and that decorated if you do not put everything you have totally. into the pursuit of every single you know major yeah, match. Yes. A- absolutely, but there is an I think my dad's point is the silver lining is that he is so decorated and so successful. Yeah, you know, I'm not just not even going to I'm, I'm not even going to give it any credence because he's a guy who cuts people in line <laughs> coming off the highway. So big G, if you're out there nothing you say holds water to me anymore <laughs> we're gonna have to get to lunch or something to fix this <laughs> to squash this i, I want to get back to, to seeing eye to eye with you with Big an G, arbitrator you know but uh for now uh, we got some work to do <laughs> we got some work to do well dude for the celtic series it was really it looked as if um you know that game six at home right whether or not they're playing to close it out or playing the survival game usually a team on the ropes game six that game is a much more competitive game typically yeah and this nba nba playoff season has been interesting because while so many of the matchups have been so good so close so contested the final moments were these huge blowout letdowns a lot of the time and while the celtics kind of got it close ish by the end they were down a lot early they, they, I mean, they went up 12-2, and I was screaming so loud that I got a headache. <laughs> and that was the first two minutes of the game. And from that point on, they never had a chance. Crazy. The Warriors were so good. And not for nothing, if there is a team for your team to lose to, the Golden State Warriors are certainly... Uh, at the top of the of the list mm-hmm. of teams to which I would tip my cap in 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 sadness uh, for my team losing because it's just such a classy organization you can't help but admire Steph Curry Clay yeah. Thompson after the injury he had what he's come back from Steve Kerr you know these are likable yeah. people Draymond, Draymond Draymond's kind of their villain you know a little bit of an antagonist but otherwise this is not a team that you hate really it's kind of right. hard to hate them they're from a place in the world in the country that like isn't that hateable you know Berkeley yeah. California California like uh Golden State you know it's just I don't know yeah uh if they'd lost to the Miami Heat in the final which they wouldn't have obviously but 
for some reason that that just would have been a harder pill to yeah, swallow. I, I accept that. Um, Especially for me, dude. Jimmy Butler getting all that. We need Jimmy Butler oh, back home on the yeah, couch. That's right. We don't need him parading around in no. front of Hill Dog's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it was an interesting experience, you know, um, but definitely a learning lesson for me where you just can't, you cannot buy tickets to a sports event under the assumption that you will be witnessing your team win the championship. That's just not. Right. It's never a foregone conclusion. Which is what's so special about when they do. Yeah. Things that are certain are just not as interesting. Yeah. You know? Um, right. But, dude, never forget. I know I've told this story on the pod before at some point, but to reiterate, because it's so funny and it ties in so perfectly with this, my friend, who was a huge Houston Rockets fan, when he was at the Game 7 where Lillard hit the series-ending three, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and he had been fighting with the guy behind him, and the guy behind him punched him in the face and oh. knocked him out. Your friend was a Portland fan? No, my friend was a Houston fan. And that other guy was a Portland the fan? The Portland fan punched him in the face, knocked him out. He woke up with nobody in the stadium. His team had lost, and I think he was concussed. So this guy <laughs> was a Portland fan and punched your buddy in the face? Correct. After? After Lillard had hit the game. Hit his the game team had injury. won the, the game? series-ending three-pointer. I mean, literally adding insult to injury. <laughs> In, adding injury to insult, I guess, Very is what good, it, it, yeah. it is. Uh, that oh, is preposterous, tough. dude. That's tough. Okay, so what we then discussed was your companion, and both of you, but more so your companion, was feeling pretty hungover the next day. Yeah, so we had to drive. We drove to Boston, which was dumb. <laughs> you know, the only reason to drive from New York to Boston is if you don't get your act together quickly enough to buy flights or train tickets. Because the flight is so short and so easy, and the train is so comfortable and so nice. Yeah. But if you wait to the last minute, they get very, very expensive. And so that's what happened with us. So I chose to drive us. It is a beast of a drive with the traffic through Connecticut. Yeah. Oh, my God. You get slammed multiple. Getting out of the city, you get slammed. You get slammed when you get over to the Mass Pike. Mm -hmm. It's a tough drive. And Boston's not really like parking friendly town either. Like having no. a car doesn't really benefit you that much. Right. Pretty small city. Where where'd you guys stay? We stayed at a hotel in Cambridge called the Kimpton Marlowe. Okay. They were dog friendly. We brought Kojai. No way. That's fun. He actually loved it. <laughs> I mean Kojai loving things makes He me really loved uh being in a hotel room. You he know? Did? Yeah, we, we left to go to the game. <laughs> I I put him up on the bed, you know, oh, with, with a little nice. blanket under him. And I think, I mean, he was like, he was watching all kinds of stuff. Like our pay-per-view bill was like $38. <laughs> ordered a bunch of shit off the kids menu for, you know, fucking room service. I doubt he tipped the room service guy. <laughs> Eating carrots. Yeah, I gave, I left him a $20 bill in case of emergency. But he was like, don't even worry about it. I'm just going to put everything in the room. Which I did not give him permission to do. Um, Dude, this is a really funny fucking prank, by the way. You order room service, and then the room service guy gets there, and you prop the door open. And when he comes in with the tray and the cart, it's just Kojai sitting on the bed. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, should I just leave this here? Do you yeah. want me to take the hot? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Kojai, there's like $3 at the end of the bed. Do you want me to have? take the, the little plastic off the top of these tiny Heinz ketchup bottles? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so can he is he confined to the bed when because can he get come off and on in it like freely? He could jump down, but I doubt he could jump he back could, up. Was he up when you came back? Uh, no, he was down. <laughs> and he was down in his little bed. Nice. Uh, but I put his bed next to the window so that he could watch the comings and goings of Love the world. And, stuff. and you knew that he would probably jump down. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Now here's an interesting phenomenon that I've noticed at. <laughs> at somewhat decent hotels, right? <laughs> Around the world. Tell me if you've noticed this. Hotels have become very fond of when, when if it's a decent hotel, whatever guests are staying at the hotel that have driven there in nice cars, they put those nice cars in front. In front. It's such a silly thing. They park them in almost like a fan pattern. Yeah. Or in a, in a very uh, ex- exhibiting way, yeah. Uh, just front and center. Here's an Aston Martin. Here's a Range Rover. Here's a you know a Benz. Here's an yeah. a, you know Bentley. All SUV. kinds of yeah, really nice stuff. And then there's always a Corvette, and I'm like, who the fuck put the Corvette there? <laughs> but um, I think what's so pathetic is when a not super nice hotel does it. Mm-hmm. And they don't have a lot of nice cars uh, to choose from. <laughs> so there's only like a couple out there's there. There's like a couple, but then they're reaching down towards like, you know, an Audi, which is a nice car, but it's like right. an A4. Do you really need to fucking display yeah. these? You know, yeah. come on. I mean, I think the whole practice is pretty stupid. Like, uh, what does it accomplish exactly? Like, maybe is is there something about walking up to a spot and like seeing sick cars that like makes you feel cool? Like, maybe I don't know. I can't think of the value of it. I've been to the, I haven't stayed at, but I've walked into the Monte Carlo in Monaco. And the, I mean, there it's Lamborghinis and Ferraris and stuff. And it definitely does. It's, it just enforces the wealth and glitz and glamour of the whole place. And these are also Lamborghinis and Ferraris that are spotless. I mean, they've been spiffed, Mm. you know, hand rubbed. Right. Uh, you know they're prominently displayed perfectly spaced Mm. there's a symmetry and an elegance to it that just enforces the the fact that you're you know this is where you are so it's funny when when i've been in you know places similar to that and seen what you're describing the the fleet of cars and stuff um it's funny like sometimes i'm like those lamborghinis or whatever car there'll be like a logo there'll be like a skull or something and to me like and granted this is already a fucking pink Lamborghini that's already ridiculous. But to like have a logo on it, it's like the equivalent of like busting down your Rolex mm-hmm. with like VVSs all over the outside of it. It's rid- and it also truly really makes it worthless too, mm-hmm. which is just so stupid. I agree. And I'm always like, what? Is, like, dude, are you serious? No. Well, what's this lightning bolt on the back of your Mercedes? Like, I hate that. It's so dumb. I hate that. That's pathetic and, and cartoonish. <laughs> what uh, if you were to buy a Lamborghini? What color would you get it in? I would never buy a Lamborghini. Mm, let's say a Ferrari. If, if I would never buy a Ferrari either. I, okay, okay. If Can I were you to play the sorry, God yes, yes, sorry, damn sorry, game. Sorry. How? Okay, okay, how okay. Perfectly. Fair. Do I need to set this question up <laughs> so that it suits the conditions by which you possess okay, a nice car? Fine, 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 fine. I would get like me if I were to get a Ferrari, like some sick new Ferrari, which I would literally never fucking do. I would get probably like a royal blue one. So sort of like a, uh, okay. Almost wow. like your, the color of your shirt. This right is now. navy to me. Is it? Okay. Royal blue is brighter. Okay. So like, okay, never mind. So navy. 
navy then. Yeah. I don't know about colors. Gotcha. Not black, but not like a like something too bright. Red is just like I have a little PP color, a red Ferrari. Yeah, but out. red Ferrari is the iconic color. If you have a few Ferraris and you have a red Ferrari, fine. But if your main thing is your red Ferrari, dude, like, yeah, what are you trying to tell us? You yeah. Know? Okay. So whatever, but yeah, I would try to. I would get something. That's what I would get. What about you? So, you know, you know Brendan Schaub. I do. I think he has a few Ferraris, mm-hmm. and he just got another one. I saw this on his Instagram, and it was green. It was like a forest green, and it was super. You sick. love forest green, dude. I'm a big green it is a good guy. Color. It's a good I am color. a green guy. Look up Brendan Schaub's forest green Ferrari. Would I you mean, ever buy a Ferrari? No, I won't buy. Now that I, I hate to say this, now that I have a Tesla, I, I wouldn't. Buy, I don't think I'll ever buy is it a, a gas sick? car again. Is it amazing? It's. It makes driving a gas car feel like a, like you're stepping backwards in time. It's crazy. Instantly. Crazy. It is such a better experience. It is such a it feels to be such a better uh designed piece of equipment. Right. Uh and I, it definitely has its drawbacks. I mean, like you know what? like do you have to charge it at the hotel? Yeah, we charged it at the hotel. And do you need to find a hotel that has that type of thing? Most parking garages do. Wow. The trickier part is, yeah, look at that color. Yeah, that thing's Dude, sick. That is super, super sick. That's sick. How much money do you think you spent on that? 200 grand? At, at least, at least, probably closer to 300 to 500. I have no idea. I don't know what the models of Ferraris, you know, go for. Dude, I'll be honest. There is an amount of money. Like, if I were to just keep making more and more money, like, I would very quickly run out of things to buy. I don't, the idea of like buying a bunch of cars, like literally couldn't interest me less. I don't really like, yeah, I don't even know, dude. I wouldn't want even want multiple homes. I would want one home. Hillary, I think would want multiple. She can make that work herself. Yeah. Uh, and she, if she's willing to design it and be there when the roof guy shows up <laughs> yeah, and yeah, fucking yeah. all that shit. Great. Let's do it. Otherwise, no, thank you. I want time and freedom but I don't, no, I don't know. I think that people who have multiple homes and just have so much money that it it doesn't even matter that they would rather stay in their home in Hawaii or St. Bart's than the nicest hotel on earth. I think the idea is that a lot of them hire full-time housekeepers mm-hmm. who live there and maintain the place. Right. So those issues of, oh, the roof is leaking or the mm-hmm. laundry machine is broken. They don't have to even think you about don't, it. You don't deal with it. You have a full-time staff member who's dealing with that. True. That That's an ideal scenario. I, do, I don't see on the path there, you know what I mean? Like there are people who have two homes who are a little more hands-on. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You're right. Like that's certainly true. And I guess that does make it easy. My my question is this. Easier. You know, if you owned two homes, let's let, let me rephrase this. Is there somewhere that you expect or could see yourself going so often as to warrant owning a home there? No. Not right now, but like let's say in five, ten years, you you might, okay. right? You might, okay. might love the beach. And you might say, ah, oh, we really want a beach home. Hamptons. Sure. Buy a house Hamptons, in the Hamptons, Hamptons right? Yeah. So you've got your New York City apartment. Sorry, fine. You've got your Hamptons home, right? Cool. Now, that's two. Mm-hmm. A third, right? Let's say that you loved 
skiing. I, that's what I was going to say. I don't even know how to ski. Okay, but, so but me, let's just say you love skiing or you loved hiking in the mountains. So you want, wanted a mountain home. So you bought a house in Aspen or Vail or even Stowe, Vermont, something like that. Right? So now you've got your beach house, your New York City home, and you've got your cabin in the mountains. Mm-hmm. At what point do you simply not have enough time to allocate enough weekends of your life to justifying owning this many homes so and how many ways can you split your your destinations uh such that it's worth actually having it so i under i think that the uh, to me the obvious answer to that is like certain people look at it as something to create and or preserve wealth over time so it's convenient it's a house that you have and it's an asset that theoretically can appreciate in value blah blah fucking blah i get that and to me, that is what that person would say. Oh, you never even go there. All right, fine, but we'll rent it maybe. Or if you don't care yeah. about that, like you have these things that are these, you know, assets in these great places, mm-hmm. a locations, you know, I right. Don't know, right, right, right. Yes, I, I guess that is the answer. Is you're diversifying your your wealth. Uh, you have real estate holdings in addition to the stock market. All of that. Mm-hmm. That's a fine answer. I, I, you know, I mean. It, we're, we're talking about people that are able to afford multiple, multiple homes. So clearly they've done something correct right. financially right. already. Right. Um, but yeah, man, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I think the maintenance aspect, I think for me, that's a deal breaker right now. It's so easy to say all this. But that is a good point, dude. The point about like having, so not only do you have these like full-time staff people, you probably also have a guy who corresponds with all those people. So you're not even thinking about you need to change the roof in 10 years. That guy's doing it for you. That's his job. Yeah, but that's also the guy who ends up banging your wife and stealing <laughs> like thousands upon thousands of dollars from you. I know firsthand stories of that. Because he's got access to everything. Totally. He's carrying that digital metaphorical janitor ring yep. of keys to your life. Totally. He knows everything about you and he can take you. He can blackmail you. Yep. You know, that's the guy. You got to be the careful of. Totally. And that's, that is the argument about being completely hands off about with stuff is that you can get taken advantage of. And dude, how many times in show business have we seen that happen? Mm-hmm. You hear stories about Elvis's manager was skimming off the top for 30 years or whatever that story is. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And like, granted, these people are super wealthy and they don't notice and it doesn't actually end up really matter- mattering. They're Probably still rich. Not, right. So the argument for the manager is like, oh, well, this guy's so rich. I deserve more. It's that, very easy to like justify that. Totally. Totally. So to me, I'm, you know, that always stresses me out a little bit. The idea of, uh, you know, if I ever am to get to a level where these things become a worry for me, I would maybe be too on top of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but you're, you're like, don't hold your breath. Pal. Well, <laughs> I, I laugh because I laugh because, uh, behind the scenes, Julio and I, you know, we have a lot of correspondence about how to maximize our, our earnings together uh, from the podcast and things like that, obviously. Um, and we are so careful to make sure the other person knows about every dime <laughs> that is coming into this podcast. Like there will be a time where I'll get seventeen dollar direct deposit. Yeah, like or somehow, somehow we'll we'll get paid seventeen dollars for something <laughs> like whatever it is, and he'll he'll text me or like I'll text him, be like, "Listen, dude, just got this. 
you know, I'll Venmo you nine fifty right now, <laughs> and or like eight fifty, and you get this eight dollar and fifty cent Venmo, and you're like, you're like Jesus Christ, you know, like <laughs> do I mean, if you lied to me, it would be okay at that amount, yeah, yeah. like. I mean, I, and it does give you confidence that you're working with someone that you completely trust when you get such just tiny, almost negligible amounts of money from each other. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, then you start to think like, well, that's exactly what I would do if I were hiding thousands of dollars <laughs> that I'm actually stealing. You know, this would be a really good way to, to make them at ease, put them at ease. <laughs> But I do love that we do that. We established that early on. And, it is a nice uh, thing. Yeah, it's a it's a funny thing. It is funny, dude. Yeah. Um, what's up? I don't know. I feel like um, how do you guys feel about Airbnb right now? I feel like they're getting a bad rap. Why? PR just like people finding cameras in their homes. Yeah, and, I just I saw that story. Really? And, yeah. I yeah. just feel like it's slowly going downhill, and people are just like, "Let's just stay in a hotel." The fees are insane always. The know. fees are high, yeah. but hotels have also skyrocketed. Yeah, true. There's a scenario to me still where Airbnb is a really solid thing for a few reasons. So first of all, if you're just talking about renting a house, it can be really nice for that. I know mm -hmm. there are other ways to do it, but it's just like convenient, easy. People are familiar with it. That to me is nice. Also, like if you're going someplace and there's six of you, Airbnb is a, can be a really nice option. I prefer hotels personally. Very much so. Mm -hmm. I don't like when like stuff doesn't work. I don't like smelling a person's house mm. or they're like, sh and now I'm in their sheets that like they washed. And granted, like the super hosts are a little more like whatever about it. Yeah. I don't prefer Airbnbs, but I, I don't know. I feel like it still has a bright future, but I, I am a big fan of Airbnb. Um, and I think part of the reason is it does serve a very different purpose to me yeah. from hotels. I think that Airbnb, as you said, bigger groups, you can really get major financial benefits. Value, yeah. Splitting a, a house between six people, three couples, whatever it is, is almost almost always going to be cheaper, you know, than than three separate hotel rooms. Yeah. Uh, plus, you'll get something like you, you know, a nice outdoor pool, and yeah, uh, you're not going to be getting splashed by a bunch of six year olds who are, you know, on vacation. Right at the hotel totally and there's certain reason. markets too where like you know in la where like hotel rooms for some reason are just so expensive on airbnb like you unlock a lot yeah. of value there and um, and not for nothing you know um as i said i've said versions of this but in that were comedians it's like if the host of the airbnb i was staying at had secret spy cameras on me and they act you know they took a video of me like jerking off or picking my nose or doing something embarrassing, bending over to, you know, and showing my butthole <laughs> to the teddy bear's eyeball camera. And they're like, give us, you know, $10,000 or we're going to put this on the internet. Did that happen? I don't know. Is that what had happened with this? I, I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know if okay, it's that. Sorry, sorry. I mean, let's say that's to me, that's like worst case scenario, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd probably be like, yeah, fucking go ahead. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I'm not doing anything so sick. Oh, I jerked off in the Airbnb that I rented. Right. Like, it's, you know, I'm not, I'm, there's no belt around my neck. I'm not, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not putting my, I'm not painting my toenails while I do it. I'm not, there's nothing weird here. Like, you're the fuckers for doing this, and I'm going to sue you. Go ahead, release it. Right, right. 
you know? Yeah, there is a good, like, I feel like Jennifer Lawrence really did a really good job flipping the yeah. hack on the Ted. Yeah. Being like, yo, this is my fucking phone, dude. Yeah. Like, spot on. Didn't affect her at all. Like, maybe, no, like, you're like right. her, I don't, her I don't reputation think it did, or career. I don't think it affected her reputation or career. And, and if anything, you know, uh, it just kind of made everyone who was making judgments about people that did that or like being turned on by it feel some measure of shame mm-hmm. yeah. as, it, as yeah, it should yeah. have. As it should. Yeah. Totally, man. Guys, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, fill in the blanks here. If I were in a concert right now and I said, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, I'd then turn the microphone to all of you sitting in the stadium and you would all yell, anchor, anchor. And then you'd say, go to anchor.fm to download the software where you could host your very own podcast, see all the best analytics. You could see it in a way that was really user-friendly and nice and not too technical and industry jargony. It's a way that any person can look at it and be like, ooh, that's pretty. And also it's our podcast. And there's no minimum listenership required to advertise and monetize. So you can immediately have ads when you hit the ground running. It's really exciting, really spectacular. If you want to start your very own podcast, anchor.fm, download it now. Um, Okay, so... We were discussing what is better, being hungover on a plane or in the car. Oh yeah, because last thing when I drove my, we drove back from Boston to New York, seventy five percent of the way home, the, my buddy leaned out the window uh, and threw up all over the side of the car <laughs> oh, while we were going like seventy miles an hour. I'd never seen anything like it. But he, but he got his whole head out of the window. <laughs> yeah, I mean he. He was out of the car as though he was celebrating our arrival to Vegas. <laughs> you know, like, uh, ah, woo, except baby. it was. Oh, God. It threw up all over the car. Pretty funny. Tough place to be in. Didn't really bother me. You know, yeah, yeah. I, it didn't bother me. It is what it is. If he'd thrown up in the car, I would have been bummed out. But yeah. to have the foresight to say, oh, I'm going to throw up, open the window, get myself out. He's done the best he can. Solid. Totally. Nothing you can do. Um, so yes, I texted Julio this story and I said, would you rather be super hungover and have to fly or drive a long way? Yeah, and it's interesting. I, I think that as we were discussing, we both agreed that flying is worse. And it's hard to argue that driving is worse. You just have more flexibility. Mm-hmm. Like even, But I think the moral of the story is being super hungover and having to go somewhere is terrible. It's one of the worst things in it's life. It's so bad. Because you did it to yourself too. Like you're <laughs> yeah. you didn't need to be You knew you had to travel that day. Right. Like how is this fun? How did this end up being fun? <laughs> you know what I mean? You got fucked up for fun and now you are not having fun at all. Right. Uh on a plane it's really bad, dude, because you're sort of in the way you are ruining other people's experiences and even if you're not you're afraid that you were going to mm-hmm. you're in the bathroom puking. That sucks. You're puking in an airplane bathroom. I don't. I, I never have. I have. Really? That's one of the From worst experiences I've ever had. Yeah. I've gotten sick on a plane before, but not because I was hungover. Just like motion sickness, weird. And thing. you threw up. I felt like I needed to, but I didn't. Wow, dude, throwing up in an airplane bathroom. I mean, because you got to get on your knees, dude. Oh and the smell oh of God. that prison t- tin toilet. Oh is so bad yeah uh and there's no water in it so the throw up i don't want to get too graphic you get the idea Uh. and then it's not like you can brush your teeth and wash the taste out yeah because the water's not drinkable uh (laughs) uh. it is hell and then to add to your point 
versus a car. In a car, you can really regulate temperature. You can bl- open a window, get some fresh air. You can blast the air conditioning. You can tilt your seat back. You can take a break. You, you can take to. a nap. You can stop at a rest stop. You can get some Advil. You can get a ginger ale. You can all these things. I mean, I guess you could get a ginger ale on an airplane, but you cannot turn the air conditioning up to the level you might want to. You cannot tilt your seat back. You you can't make it shorter. Yeah. You just have to grip Nothing it and do. bear it yeah. until you arrive. And that is really tough. Yeah. It's funny. I would When it comes to driving, I think I would actually rather drive than be the passenger. I agree with that. It's somehow like, and it's funny because we... After Ricky shot his special, we uh, went, we all like went somewhere the next day and I drove and everybody in the car was like super anxious and like hung over and yeah. I was driving and like, even though it was brutal, it was still better that I had something to do to like distract me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And also the very act of driving the car somehow mitigates the motion, sick- the car sickness that you get. Interesting. Yeah. Because if I'm in the front seat and I'm car sick. I will look in out the dash and pretend that I'm driving. And interesting, that helps. Interesting. Yeah. Cause like I get jittery, dude. <laughs> no, but it's true, dude. I remember like, have you ever been seasick? Dude, yes. It sucks. Yo, I am, I am a bitch. My stomach <laughs> is the worst thing about me. Oh, so I funny. am a little, my stomach has as, is as finicky as my sleep schedule. <laughs> it's bad, but same, like I've been seasick. When when it's like hard when like half of the boat was because it was like super rough and like where were you? This is when I was in Galapagos actually. The last time I've been seasick was was there and I, and the the whole trip there no seasickness. Then in the afternoon on the way back it just got really choppy and there was like two hours to go. Yeah, and the island is in the distance and it's like the faintest thing and you're like maybe that's the final destination. And it's like not even. No. You then drive by that one and you're too afraid to even ask. And it's so frustrating to be like, I'm looking into the distance in a way where like if I lose, if I move to the right one second, I'm vomiting everywhere. Yeah. So now I'm just staring. And then like You're staring at land? Trying my best to that's what you're supposed find to do. Something. Yeah. You need land. To and look sometimes at. there wasn't even land. And then right. to make it even more frustrating, like someone will get in the way and now I'm trying like my best to, you know. And I'm just looking at the guys who work on the ship. They're like playing Candy Crush on their phone. They like don't even give a fuck. Yeah. It's like so frustrating. You got to take some Dramamine yeah. before you get on the boat, though. You can't take it halfway. So, dude, I think, so I, I, if I remember correctly, I took some. But it was just like, dude, this is like the, the roughest water I've ever been in. Fair. And it wasn't like mm-hmm. crazy, mm-hmm. but it was just like. <sighs> yeah, pitching. And, you know, just yeah. craziness. And yeah, man. I don't know. And then we both got real sick too. So we were Zach, the guy I was with, got really seasick. He was throwing up on the bottom. Yeah. I didn't throw up, but we got back. He then got sick as fuck for like 18 hours. And then I, the next day, got really sick for like 18 hours. Wow. So it was like fucked up. Galapagos. Dude. Not going. Not relaxing. Not going there. Not a relaxing trip. That's the end of that dream. Yeah. In order to, no. So that's the thing. In order to get to the meat and potatoes of the Galapagos, there's no way around a three-hour boat ride. Wow! Because you can't. There's you can only fly to the two main islands, and then to go to any of the like famous stuff, you need to take an insane boat ride. Fuck, man! It sucks. That stinks. <laughs> that stinks a lot. It is cool though, but not relaxing at all. Sorry. 
Rule of threads. Rule of threads. Is the answer to the Jeopardy question, what is the best thing to wear as a man? <laughs> Dude, who thought? Okay, so Rule of Threads, their whole thing is that they're making clean premium menswear basics, right? So when I think of that initially, I'm like, oh, they must have like two things. Mm. I, I have actually had that thought. That's a dumb thought. It's a dumb thought. Really dumb. Thanks. Bet you wouldn't have thought that <laughs> if you were paying attention. But dude, look at all these styles of tees. Curved shirts, classic shirts, polos, split shirts, crewnecks, Henleys, V-necks. I, what, I didn't even know there were the, that many shirts. What in the... Who, what a, wait, what it's the, embarrassment of riches. <laughs> Uh, their joggers are a bestseller they have a couple different uh styles the french terry joggers the premium joggers you can lace up your entire closet in exclusively rule of threads you'll be comfortable you'll be versatile you'll be, be you'll be ready to rock and nobody would think boy that guy thinks outside of the box or doesn't think out of the side of the box if, if you only had rule of threads in your closet do you know why i don't think they actually come in a box <laughs> i think it's more of like a parcel more of a parcel a soft envelope package so dude i actually i started watching quantum of solace the other night because i forgot that it existed and you yeah. reminded me that it wasn't that good it was it was almost as if they spent like a hundred dollars making it or something that that's <laughs> obviously there's it's there's intricate fighting scenes and stuff but yeah it just doesn't measure up yeah i'm wondering why it's almost like they should have had james bond wearing rule of threads uh it, because exactly he would have looked a lot better and that one they really just gave up on him for and uh, you almost feel bad for Daniel Craig. Dude, I was having this thought because typically James Bond will be wearing some sort of like presentable outfit. Yeah. And I can just picture him having his little binoculars wearing a Rule of Threads polo mm. and all of a sudden having to like drop everything and chase a guy because there's always that opening scene in Bond that doesn't matter for the story right. where he's like chasing somebody through this urban jungle gym. Mm -hmm. And like there's that moment where he'll like swing upon a pole to yep. land on and he could do that so easily in his Rule of Threads polo. You're damn right he could. <laughs> and after he arrives, when he does the thing where he kind of like fluffs his suit or whatever to go back into the to the motion, yeah. with Rule of Threads, it would just so perfectly work. Let's just remind ourselves really quick that this is an ad read for Rule of Threads, not <laughs> James Bond. <laughs> and we hope that you will go to ruleofthreads.com and use promo code OOPS. oops which will get you 15% off of your order of every premium menswear basic essentials that you could possibly want or need for this summer and beyond. Ruleofthreads.com, promo code OOPS, 15% off. Get started today. Do you have a favorite place in the world that you've visited among all of your travels? My little... That's um, Julio's uh, thinking noise, like hourglass cursor. <laughs> you know what Hillary's is? You do that sometimes. I do. You do that I too. Picked, I picked I picked that up from her. She goes, and then she like shifts her her chin and does a little pucker, side lip pucker, hmm. and that's how I know she's deep in thought. Oh. Um, <laughs> so for me, dude, it it doesn't. It's not always necessarily the place. It's more like the experience that makes it more memorable. Mm -hmm. But if we're talking about sheer, like, wow, I can't believe I'm here right now sort of thing, in America, it has to be Alaska. Yeah. That Alaska makes sense. is just so remote and random. Uh, and besides that, I don't know. I, no, I, 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 I mean, I, I think I don't you? just mean, wow, I'm here right now. I think when you left, you thought that was the greatest or coolest place ever. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. It's tough. There's, there's too, too much good stuff. It really, I will say this though. I lean towards a 
mountainous, arid, open, mm-hmm. vista producing environment nice. more so than shrubbery and jungle. No shrubbery. With beach. Mm-hmm. I like that less. I agree. I agree with that. Yes. Mountains are the coolest They're sick. thing ever. Yeah, they're sick. Mountains are awesome. They're awesome. Big, big fan of mountains. Yeah. Yeah. It bums me out about the Taliban, dude. Like Afghanistan was a very accessible destination for the past like 10 years. And now it's like, ugh, speaking of, I don't understand. As far as was, was it? Yeah. It was a very doable trip. And now it's not. You cannot go there. I will not allow you to go. I, listen, I don't think that I can if I wanted. I mean, and if I could, I, I just don't know that it's, you know, I just think it would be difficult. Why did Oops the Podcast end? Well, Julio got beheaded. <laughs> Julio's currently in Afghanistan. Julio uh, <laughs> is in jail for trying to film in Afghanistan. Yeah, I don't think that's what we want. We don't want that. But anyway, there was like a there were versions of the trip too that were like very doable that are not anymore. Like even put like autonomous areas. It just bums me out. Mm. I, there's good there's good culture, good mountains good stuff there mm-hmm. and it's a bummer that we we can't enjoy it gotcha you know <laughs> you excited about nicaragua in general i am excited yeah it should be cool i was talking to the guy and it made me more this is in my opinion the best case scenario is when you have an organic person in the place that's not that doesn't work there mm-hmm. but who gets it and who can help and you guys design like a fun memorable thing together that's what we have done uh, I already said that they dropped the COVID stuff, which was such a pain in the ass. But that's nice, mm-hmm. uh, and it should be cool. W- would you ever consider going to a place like this that is known for something seedy or dark, or you know, exploring the underbelly of it as in almost from like a vice investigative journalist standpoint? You know, it, go to the go yeah. to Colombia to sort of try to get a sense of the cocaine trade mm-hmm. from the guys who grow the coca leaves to the people that are selling it on the streets i would love to do that in fact this uh this journalist who i uh follow along with her stuff um her name's her name's i can't remember her name because i just see her her instagram senorita ramita or something her name's ramita navai i believe sorry if i'm saying that wrong uh but she's like I, she's made a bunch of great pbs documentaries like frontline episodes and she currently was in recently in afghanistan shooting something that seemed super sick this is the thing. I would never like, I don't think that I have the resources to like plan something of that kind of trip myself mm. without having like big press behind me. Yeah. However, if, if, if I were to be hired to do some stuff like that, I would love to. Yeah. It'd be cool. What about, would you? No. Uh, <laughs> I like what I'm doing, but yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know that I am that passionate about crime. <laughs> So no, fine, same, not necessarily, but it's just, it's it, the, the underbelly aspect to something in general interests me a lot. Yeah, yeah, that is cool. But again, it requires so much networking and people you know, so you can get someone who's involved to, to vet you and open doors, because otherwise, yeah, you don't get access to these people. You need a team. You can't, like, I wouldn't be able to make that happen. Yeah, you don't get access to drug dealers and cartel people and stuff like that. Like that kind of shit, (laughs) you know. Um, But, yeah, man. You know know. who always blew me away about that was uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah, he's amazing. What he was able to get access to as a comedic character 
in terms of the underbelly. I mean, I believe the BBC helped him do all that. Though. I would think so. Yeah. yeah. But still, it's still a ballsy as fuck. It really is. And he's going knowing that the interviews a lot of the time are going to end with his subject being angry with him and or disgraced. Him, yeah, and or, telling him like fuck you, get yeah. out of here, I'm going to kill you. Doesn't give a fuck. That happened in um he went I think he went as Bruno uh, and and interviewed a, a a terrorist leader and it was like that was the that was what it said it was you know he believe, was in the I middle east it. somewhere i believe it. and letterman asked him on an interview how did you get that interview and he goes i can't talk about it crazy dude i, I so i had heard that for ali g at least when they would just have like sit down interviews with the politicians which by the way you guys have never watched Ali G interviews. They are spectacular. Yeah, that's insane. They are so fucking funny. His whole thing is so fun. like he'll just immediately start insulting them in, in the in the intro. He'll be like, "Oh, he's here with my main man, Brett Scowcroft. He was, you know what I mean? Like yeah. secretary for Lindy Johnson. Yeah, yeah. And he'll be like Lyndon Johnson." Lyndon Johnson, who was a man, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, in, yeah, yeah. to these guys who have no idea, yeah. And apparently, what he would do is he'd pretend that he was like the camera guy, and there'd be a guy in a suit yes. sitting in the seat. And right before the inter- interview started, they yeah. swapped it out, yeah. And they'd be like, "Yeah, they'd be like, this is a politics show for young people. It's like good, and you know, yeah. these these politicians will do these shows mm-hmm. so that they con- they connect with the younger audience, whatever. Right. Uh, and bro, it is." fucking hilarious and i i've noticed that like gen z people it's like a little before their time mm-hmm. and they don't know about it well go watch the ali g show mm-hmm. borat's on it too that's where the character borat sort yeah. of and that's sort of a rare case of the side character of a show like that becoming sort of the most revered and yeah you know he did bruno as well and yeah. people didn't give bruno the movie as much love as they gave to borat but bruno to me was still hysterical bruno is hysterical it's hysterical the final scene where they go to i think it's a mixed martial arts they put on like this charity mma event in the backwater of the south and it's oh that's from borat i thought no that's bruno because he's 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 pretending that it's uh that it's like a you know it's all anti-gay right uh he's straight dave and he comes out (laughs) and they're like they're 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 selling i read articles about it after where it's like they were they were like either giving free beer to the audience or selling <laughs> it super cheap and they were really revving the audience up for the big reveal which was you know and, and he comes out and he's like i you know i'm so straight that i ripped the back doors off my house <laughs> um and and like all this stuff and then his ex-boyfriend or whatever comes into the ring and they start fighting each other <laughs> and then all of a sudden they start like making out and rolling around <laughs> in their underwear do, do they get naked too just about yeah yeah and the whole audience is like losing their mind <laughs> and the whole idea is like look at how homophobic this place is and it's like well you kind of set them up totally no, uh, dude. To, to, to be that way very much yeah you know um now having said that uh and the dildo doesn't he like the dildo machine like bangs him in that movie in earlier in, in the scene yeah this guy's like the ultimate method he'll commit he's he committed. is a legend he's dude. an oxford grad i, I did know Went that to oxford yeah. um 
So super, super bright. Yeah, incredible, incredible talent. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Bruno's all time. Did you see, and you the new one was pretty solid. The 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 America show. Excuse me, Borat. Oh, the Borat movie. I loved I loved it. And the new Borat was good. But then the yeah that show the Showtime show Showtime was, was was nice. It was crazy. Dude. So the, that the the way that they would set people up for that was really intricate. Mm. Um, and they would just do so much. Uh, work to throw people off the scent and they'd have letterheads and you know backstories about this is a production company working towards this mm. I'm reaching out on behalf of this yada yada it looked super it, official because of the success his his massive success yeah doing this already right yeah crazy he's bro. very limited in in how he presents himself because people he's so famous yeah um but yeah, shout out to to Sasha Baron Cohen for his vision and and daring certainly. <laughs> Gee, a major problem that I've been facing lately, especially now that I'm not taking creatine anymore, is that my body is shrinking, and with the being summer, you know, people are looking out their windows a lot more, mm -hmm. and so I've been walking around naked from the shower to put my clothes on stuff like that, and I'm I'm fearful that a lot of my neighbors are seeing me naked really <laughs> and i'm not as muscular as i used to be <laughs> and so i feel ashamed i want them to see me at my best nice. and the only way for me to you know really kind of feel a little less exposed a great way is to wear my plover rope yeah it's nice man did you think that's where i was going there uh yeah Damn. I I started to sniff it. I try to have fun. At first, I wasn't sure. Throwing you off the scent of where I'm going with my but that ads. That was good. That was good. It like, is a good robe, man. It's a great robe after you've dried off from the shower, but you're not sure what you want to wear yet. You want to take a little bit of time and just luxuriate in a fun, free-flowing, easy-going, uh, wonderful piece of, of, of gear. Mm-hmm. It's the plover robe for me. It's cleverly designed because it's it's dense and insulated, so like it can keep you warm, mm -hmm. but it also can like has a cooling feeling. Oh, too. it sure does. You know, it's a really nice robe. It's a breathable, uh, super super fun, uh, awesome awesome thing to wear all summer long. I rock mine without even realizing it. I throw it on, and you know, Sierra will see me wearing it multiple days on end. She say, "You got to wash that thing." When was the last time you washed it? <laughs> and I say, "Hey, why don't you just get one?" And stay out of my business, devil woman. <laughs> you devil. So, dude, they they also they're funny and they have a good sense of humor. Like some of their designs are like funny. Like the one that I just got is the narwhal one, mm -hmm. and it's called Narcity Blues. Yeah, clever. Love that. The famous the to me the most famous one is the hot llama. Yeah, that's sort of their signature one. Uh, I know they've had some pretty high profile people rocking that one. Uh, tons of great designs. Really fun. Really like funny thing to like bust out to like if you're at a party or something. It's like the perfect Francis item, honestly. It is a Francis item, you know. Yeah, um, it's a second skin for me. We love plover robes. Uh, definitely check it out. Great as a gift, fun thing to have, and just really practical as well. Go to pulverrobes.com/oops and then use promo code oops. You'll get twenty percent off of your plover robe. Pulverrobes.com/oops promo code oops. We think you're gonna really enjoy it, um, dude. So this is random. Uh, and and sort of like a a right turn here, but somebody reminded me of of a story last night, and I wanted to to talk about it because it was insane. So like you know, people have their sort of like oh like 
their story of trying to make it and they stayed in some squalid, shitty like thing. You know what I mean? I slept out of my car. So this is my version of that story. So <laughs> I had got rid of my I got rid of my apartment, left my job, and I had lived with the these people who I actually ended up living with full time in the city with many years later. But uh, I was I had been living with them for the summer and I was back in the city. I needed a place to live. So one of my old friends from the tennis team, he was um, a friend's tennis coach um, and he had become a friend's tennis coach and they gave him an apartment. So he lived in this apartment and he's like, dude, I'm like kind of lonely in the apartment. You can come and sleep on the couch if you want. I was like sick. So I ended up staying there with him for like three months. Wow. I know, which was really nice of him. But this is the slumming it portion of this. Two things. First of all, the only bathroom in the apartment was in his bedroom. And he was like, dude, my sleep schedule is super fucked up. He's like, if you need to go to the bathroom, you're going to have to wait till the morning. So oh my God. I would pee in bottles sometimes. <laughs> Sorry. No, Sorry. I mean. That's not even close to the worst part of the story. So that sucked, obviously. But whatever. Whatever. All good. <laughs> there were bed bugs in the couch. <laughs> and I couldn't tell him because he would get rid of the couch and then I would have nowhere to go. So what I would do, I had read that bed bugs don't like light. So I would sleep with the lights on. Are you fucking kidding me, <laughs> no, dude? I'm dead serious. I'm insane. This is so... <laughs> if I knew there were bed bugs in a couch, I would not be able to sleep there regardless of what they liked or did not like. I must have been drinking a lot at that point in my life. <laughs> <laughs> because I was getting feasted on, dude. And it sucked ass, but like, I just didn't know what else to do. I just like, didn't have my shit together enough. Like I didn't have any money saved up. I just didn't have any money at all. Like no money. Uh, and it was, it was dark, dude. <laughs> oh my God. So I was telling the story yesterday about sleeping on the couch and I had forgotten the bed bugs part. My friend was like, are you serious? What about the other part? I'm like, what other part? He's like the bed bugs. I was like, oh my God, I completely forgot about that. I was like, that's a pod. That's a good thing for the pod. Your buddy knew the couch had bed bugs. No. If I told him. So that was a dick move on my part, but I was just surviving, dude. <laughs> I didn't tell him that there were bed bugs because would he might might he have thought that you had brought them in? Mm, probably not. He's like pretty smart. I don't think he would have like had an emotional response to that. He might have just been like, "Oh, this couch is a piece of shit." Like, that makes sense, type of thing. Yeah. But he definitely would have thrown the couch out, and definitely would have been like, "Could you not have split a new couch with him? Something cheap." I don't think I had. A, I don't think I had a hundred dollars. I'm not even joking. How are you eating? Uh, dude, I don't even know. Like spending like $10 a day. And then I, I like had got, I had a job, but like I owed money for student loans and shit. And like, I had like a little bit of expenses that like all that. And I was trying to like beef up my lesson schedule. Cause I was now I was in the city, needed to figure something out. And I kind of started, I got Saturdays. So now I had like four lessons on Saturday. And I would make 30 bucks per lesson total. Yeah. Even though it costs way more, but that's how much they would pay me. So now I get like, you know, a hundred bucks a week. And then, you know, and I wanted to like do stuff too. I just did not have a hundred dollars to split a couch. Yeah. That's crazy, bro. Right. That's pretty shitty. That resolved itself by, um, this is what happened. I, this is crazy. Okay. So the fall I'm living in that situation, right? <laughs> The family who I lived with for the summer, I had become, I was really good friends with the one kid who hooked me up, who he still hooks me up, bro. This guy is the ultimate plug, the ultimate mensch. Love him. Takes care of the boys. 
Uh, but he was like, dude, because I, I had quit my job. He's like, bro, I got you. He's like, come be the tennis pro. At my, it just, he's like, we don't even have to play tennis, dude. That's how we'll sell my parents on the idea, and we can just chill together all summer. It'll be sick. And I was like, okay. So we did that. Made a little bit of money doing that, but like nothing, nothing uh, significant and nothing that kind of like sustained me into the fall. So anyway, now I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. So I'm living there for three months. He's in boarding school at this point in Jordan. Oh my God. And he, bro, he is the biggest schemer of all time. Like he'd come home for the weekend and pretend he lost his passport so he didn't have to go back to school. And he'd be like, I don't know where it is for like five hours. And then we go in his room and he'd be like, bro. And he'd like lift up a board and his passport would be under there. He just didn't want to go back. He hated boarding school so he was, much? He was thir- 14 and in Jordan by himself. Didn't know anybody there. Why was he there? I think that he initially hadn't gotten into the boarding schools that he had wanted. Yeah. So they're like, go to King's Academy for a year. And then you can re-. He ended up going like Taft as a sophomore. Wow. But he initially didn't have the options that he had wanted. And his parent, his dad is Middle Eastern. It wasn't that crazy mm-hmm. for him to be going there. So he's there and he just like didn't want to be alone. So his parents were like, yo, would you want to go stay with him for a month? In Jordan. We'll pay for everything. And also, like, we'll hook you with, like, dope shit to do. So, like, we'll put you in a nice hotel. We have this guy there who'll drive you around. Like, you'll have a great time. I was like, oh, Holy sick. Holy shit. And this is, like, my, I already had a little bit of wanderlust at this point, but I, I hadn't really, it hadn't landed on me. Well, yet. and also you couldn't act on it because you had no money. No money. But the trips that I had done... And I talked about this in my little Rwanda thing uh, for the New York Comedy Festival, but I took a train ride by myself to visit a friend in Switzerland, Germany. And like, it kind of made me like, wow, this is so fun doing mm-hmm. this. So anyway, I was like, this could be a great experience. We got to go to Lebanon, Jordan, all this great stuff, right? So we leave and I'm there for a month. In my head, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I need to establish my home base. I keep like ignoring the problem. Yeah. My grandmother ends up passing away. And they lived in the house that I was actually lived in when I was a baby in Brooklyn. Uh, it was a two family house. She was sort of old and um, a little, a little forgetful. And if I, there was two apartments in this house, so there's the ground floor, top floor, different addresses, different entrances. But if she heard somebody upstairs, it might've confused her perhaps. And it maybe wasn't the best environment with her there for me to live in that apartment. When she passed away, changed the game. My uncle, Zio Butch, shout out Zio Butch, Lifeline. He's like, if you want to live up there before uh, you know, I sell the building, you can. And it was crazy. Living, I'm living in the ruins of my childhood. It was just like the same exact place that I lived when I was a little baby. But so that, that's what saved my ass. And then he, you know, I paid essentially nothing. How long did you live there for? Five years. You in, lived in that Brooklyn apartment for five years? Four-bedroom apartment. And he said he before yeah. he sells the place and he just didn't sell it. Just took a sack, figuring it out, whatever. And like, so the place, it was still like, uh, it needed some, some repairs and some fixing that I was incapable of doing. And that wasn't worth doing if he was intending to sell it. So there was things with the apartment that weren't perfect, but dude, this huge apartment to myself. Uh, and even though it was pretty deep in Brooklyn, like it was still the biggest lifeline of all time. How old were you when this happened? uh when what happened well let's say that when at what age were you living on the the termite couch termite couch bed bug couch was uh the fall of 2009 okay so you're just out of college pretty much um like i had 22 23 yeah 22 23 then um but the first year out of college i rented an apartment because i had a job it was probably it was too expensive with how much money i was making but whatever 
Um, and then what job did you have? I worked at a at a commercial real estate brokerage. Okay. Um, I, I, on a team, mm-hmm. so I was doing sort of like analytical stuff and also trying to start my own business. But then it sort of didn't really pan out, obviously. Um, and then so in 2010, I moved in to the Brooklyn situation. Mm-hmm. And then okay, and you were there until 2014, 15. 2015. In which case, I relocated to another favorable situation. Why did you move? Why did you leave Brooklyn? We, they sold the house. They sold it. They sold the. Building. And you needed a place to go. Needed to find a place. It was intending to find an apartment somewhere. Um, at which point, the original homies came back into the picture. Who now I had a much more sophisticated friendship with, sort of all of them, mm-hmm. which made this conversation naturally happen. Where they're like, "You just come live here if you want, dude." Interesting. No exchange. It was really, it's one of like the nicest, in a series of extremely nice things that had been done for me. That was sort of like the final. Yeah. Wow. Um, Man, that's uh, that's an interesting, I go for a little uh, oops beans right now. I'm mm. having a hankering for some beans. Mm-mm-mm. You know, as soon as the, the water hits that espresso uh, and it, you hear the hum of the machine, and then the, <sighs> it starts coming into the cup, that a little cup that I've got below there. And I can sm- I get that first waft, the mm. hint of the oops beans. The vapor. I get my mouth starts watering, and I say, you know, life's not so bad. <laughs> what a nice thing. Things though. are looking up. You painted that picture well. There's hope. There's euphoria in that first sip of my delicious Brooklyn Roasting Company coffee each morning from our very own blend, the oops beans blend. Uh, incredible coffee coffees from Ethiopia. And I think maybe Nicaragua. Yeah, Nicaragua, Mexico, Peru, all over the place. And these are just like deep cut, amazing coffees. Mm -hmm. For a person who really likes coffee, it's just so fun to explore these different flavors, Uh, whether it be something that's a little like uh, maybe something you've not heard of much, like the Nura Curate, Mm. or just even something like the Java Mocha, Mocha Java, Mm -hmm. two different things, by the way. Iris Espresso, Sumatra, they have it all. It's amazing. BQE Espresso, that's another favorite of mine. It's really good, mm-hmm. um, and it's really fun, and it's a flex. Having some in your house is the opposite of living on a bed bug infested couch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the complete opposite. you know opposite. you've made it. That's how you know you've made Guys, it. Guys, go to brooklynroasting.com right now. Use promo code OOPSBEANS, and that's going to get you 5% off of your order. Uh, get yourself a bunch of tins because they go fast. Trust me, you're going to run through this stuff because you're going to love it. Check out the Oops Beans, our blend, brooklynroasting.com, promo code Oops Beans. So then, you know, it's funny because I feel as though if we had known that history, <laughs> then the the day that you moved in with Hillary to your wonderful new apartment, Dude. <laughs> we would have made a bigger deal of it <laughs> yeah, much- because that was sort of the first home, the first real that home. you were paying for that was Pretty like much. you could decorate and yep you know it's so nice where totally. julio lives and uh i just feel like that's what an achievement after <laughs> you. Know, which you know it's you could have done it earlier I, because I, you had the money or you know you had the I, money earlier to do it uh in all those years that you were living with that family i didn't really dude not until the very end could i have <laughs> not until the very but you, end but you only mostly because you were spending no like a combination of like credit cards and student loans and not earning that much money was leading to my sort of like 
my monthly sort of overhead initial thing was similar to like what a modest rent would have been. Mm. So there, I really couldn't have, I would say it, dude, until Taylor Swift is the thing that turned it around. Once Taylor Swift happened, I theoretically could have. If you're new, Julia did a commercial with Taylor Swift. Where I, I barely poke my head into the shot, but the way that it works is if you're hired as a principal actor, you get paid the same amount as long as your eyeball, as long as some part of your body enters yeah, the frame. Yeah, you have to get uh, principal fee. So that was sort of like the thing that gave me uh, a little bit of money to do stuff or to, to like have some freedom. You know? Oh, wow. And you did that once we were already doing the podcast i had shot it already but no we hadn't started the podcast yet ah so i met you we started doing this uh just after you became sort of a self-sufficient yes. clean human being correct it's amazing correct. Yeah. yeah i wonder if i had met you when you were swarming with bed bugs if i would have <laughs> wanted to do the podcast with you <laughs> um <laughs> It's a, dude, just such a different time, man. You know? Well, we would have both been, I mean, you're younger than me too. So, you know, there's no scenario where that would have even happened. I'm trying to think. Yeah. I'm trying no, to think. I mean, of, I was, I've, I've been presentable for the, for the entirety of the time. It was just too, the yeah. idea of letting the ship sink was just not. And granted, it was around the corner all the time. So there was a lot of stress and anxiety about it, which my 20s were not particularly pleasant. I just couldn't get my shit together, dude. Can I, I'm going to ask you a, sort of a, maybe a privileged question, which is if it, things had gotten super bad, I mean, mm -hmm. you're just, you legitimately cannot afford any food. Mm -hmm. Could you have called your parents yeah. or gone yes. back to stay with them? And I think, dude, I think there along this road, there were many times where I was calling them asking for hundred bucks, mm -hmm. hundred bucks here, hundred bucks there. And, th and then even occasionally just like, getting you know uh, uh all of a sudden i get a deposit in my account somebody put 500 bucks in there yeah. thousand bucks in there along the way all the time mm -hmm. but i just required so much support mm -hmm. that there was really no way for them to there was no way for me to ask for that was it would it have been possible for them to do it maybe but like i didn't even want to be in that position you know your parents see you now they know you're paying steady rent making recurring income doing very well certainly doing yeah. as compared are they relieved are they proud are they aware of of how well you were how doing? wild of a ride it's been um i think so yeah i think they are um were they worried about it? i haven't imagined they were pretty worried about it. they get worried if you're going to iraq they had to have been worried that you were probably i i think that there's a disconnect where they don't understand my little they don't, they, along the way, they maybe just didn't fully understand the ins and outs of my life. You were probably pretty good at hiding it, too. Hiding certain things, but also just like how it works is just much different than the lives that they've had, even just as far as like how much things cost. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They just really didn't know. Like, right. Um, so, yeah, along the way, I could have leaned on them, and I definitely did. I don't want to make it seem like I was you know, complete, I, I, this isn't like a sob story per se. I, most of it is just negligence on my part, like mm -hmm. not being on top of shit enough or just not willing to become an adult. Um, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it was a wild ride for sure. They certainly helped me a lot along the way. Um, and I appreciate it. I would not have been able to sustain it without that. And yeah, if there were moments where 
I had absolutely no choice. It happened all the time. If I had to call and begrudgingly make that phone call that initially stressed them out, but then they had more compassion for it an hour later after the call, I did it, of course. Right. You know, right. Um, but, you know, yeah, it's fucking tough out there, dude. That's, you know, that's great to hear. <laughs> uh, it's cool. No, it's cool to hear the genesis of Julio. Yeah. And in a way, it really represents what they say about millennials, where like, they refuse to give up on like unrealistic things, even if they have to like go yeah. through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's sort of like one of the both knocks and compliments to this generation mm-hmm. is sort of like stubborn commitment to trying to make fun things into a life. <laughs> yeah. And the problem with that is that in so many instances, it's impossible to get there without going through the, the, the thing, mm-hmm. the difficulty. Right. Mm-hmm. And therefore, people who are pursuing unlikely um, careers or difficult to achieve careers, artists or musicians or actors, whatever, uh, they they are in the shit and they accept it uh, and, and don't, and, and think that this is just a rite of passage, mm-hmm. right? Whereas, and that can really, that can really blind people to their reality. Yeah, it's easy to romantic. You mean like you can romanticize that process? Yeah, you can say, well, (laughs) the reason that I'm so broke and that I'm so, you know, living on ramen and sleeping on couches that are infested and (laughs) that all this is just because I'm I'm pursuing being an actor and that's just what it takes. Uh And you can lean on that to ignore the fact that you're not talented. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that yes. like some people can just, and, and they'll miss that truth for years. They pay the dues. But the miraculous thing that often ends up happening, if a person is tolerable, the, the talent doesn't always end up mattering that much. It doesn't, it may not, but dude, you can't, you're not going to become Eddie Murphy. You can't get, yeah, you can't <laughs> get, uh, super successful without talent. It's hard, but dude, I, I you know, totally, but, there are plenty of people who are like kind of successful with no talent Yeah, in our field. Once you've <laughs> been in it long enough, yeah. you start to find ways to scrap together a, a better income. You and know? to a degree, it, it's a craft. Like if there are some people who are never going to be able to dunk. Yeah. And living on a couch with bad bugs is not going to make you be able to dunk. Exactly. But comedy, acting, these are things that you can learn how to do even if you are dense as a fucking board, if you spend a decade focused, trying to improve, being positive, you can, to a degree, counteract your lack of talent. To you, a degree. Do you know anybody where they were doing it and it was, uh, you know, it was shitty, but you saw them and thought they really did have talent, but they gave up because yeah. it was just so shitty? Yeah, a lot of people. Do they ever, Many. do you ever, do they ever say they regret giving up so soon? I don't talk to a lot of those people that much. And a couple of the people who I know who transitioned into other things, I was kind of like, that was probably a good decision mm-hmm. just for the quality of your life. Yeah. Like how, how worth it is it to beat your head into the wall trying to make this work? It might not be worth it. So there are certainly people where I'm like, well, I'll be talking to other comics. And they're like, remember this person? Remember that person? I'm like, damn, yeah, that guy was pretty, that guy was pretty good. Yeah. And they just kind of stopped because they just couldn't take it anymore. I'm th- I can think of a few. The another scenario that I'm more fascinated by is the 
guy who had no talent was insufferable, wasn't funny. When you saw him, you'd roll your eyes. And somehow 10 years later, he's respected and funny. Yeah. And that happens. And that's crazy. And there are specific instances that I'm thinking of where the new people have no idea about the person, the role that that same person used to play. Uh, you really can reinvent yourself. It's an yeah. interesting thing where like when you're at the office and you're in the office with all the same people, it's hard to do that. But when your office is scattered, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. can sort of re-navigate. I've seen plenty of people in less extreme scenarios sort of rebrand themselves mm -hmm. and even become cool. They like weren't cool and they learned, they're like, okay, I need to be cool. That'll help me. And they then became cool. Mm. And now are these cool people. Interesting. And I'm like, I hope I was nice to them when they weren't cool <laughs> because I didn't respect them how much I do now. Yeah. And they might not know that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's fucked up, dude. Yeah. Gee, do you ever get a hankering for an old Siggy poo? I do. But I'll tell you what, the, the whole process of smoking i've really sour i've soured on smoking the old siggy poo it's not fun smelling it's not there's so many things about it that are just so much more cumbersome mm. uh and it's funny when i was flying um from switzerland to budapest i was sitting next to a guy who actually had lucy slim pouches come on i'm serious he did yeah and dude it's much easier he does it's not it doesn't involve anything gross there's no like spitting or no it's just a really solid product. Lucy Slim Pouch uses the newest technology for synthesizing pure nicotine in the lab. None of the tobacco, all the nicotine satisfaction. I actually went over to try to like give the guy a pound and explain uh, how I knew Lucy and how we worked with them. And he kind of like, we kind of got lost in translation a little bit. Mm. So it was just awkward. And then I was like, ah, anyway. <laughs> and then I just had to look forward. <laughs> Which is one of the worst moments that can happen on a plane. Sure. Lucy Slim pouches include both coconut oil and gum base to provide a soft, fluffy texture that enhances the flavor, doesn't dry your mouth. They come in three strengths, four, eight, and 12 milligrams, three exclusive and delicious flavors, spearmint, mango, and cool cider. Uh, listen, dude, 2022, don't compromise uh, when you're choosing your nicotine products. Mm. Go with the newest tobacco-free options from Lucy. Oops, the podcast listeners, go to lucy.co and use promo code OOPS to get 20% off of your order of Lucy Slim Pouches or any other Lucy products. That's lucy.co, promo code OOPS to check out. Uh, I, I got to read this also. Uh, warning, this product contains non-tobacco nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co, be sure to use that promo code OOPS. Uh, is there any see, is examples of that that you can think of? Uh, any of that? I it, it is a part of me that doesn't, I, I you know... I, I I don't I don't know I don't know to be honest I there wasn't anyone that really comes to mind in working with Shane uh you know he talks about he, he's got some people around him who aren't really doing stand-up anymore but often do some of these sketches with him mm -hmm. and in the sketches they are heart-stoppingly funny mm -hmm. and I'm like did that dude ever do stand-up and he'll say yeah and he was incredible but that's that's a different sort of pivot and they've stopped but they're not doing but that's like an uh, true but it's it's an aligned move which i think is part of the process it's like you yeah, do but they're not they're the, the sketches are not they're it's not they're not committed to that they're okay. just doing it because shane called them and said oh oh god do this oh, and they do okay. but they have a whole different life i thought you were talking about, okay so they're not in the quote biz at all not really ah that's crazy that's yeah. crazy and I hate to say it, but and I'm not saying it's the case with those people, but I think a lot of the time it is uh, you have kids. Interesting. 
you get you just you okay all of a sudden my bills just went up 10x 5x baby formula crib mm-hmm. you know fucking daycare all this shit and you don't have a choice you don't have a choice but to stop what you're doing and start doing something that makes money even if you don't like it my perception of that moment is different than that but what you're saying like is interesting i've never thought of it that way that has to be the case that Mm -hmm. has to be the reality another reality though is like during the family planning process you have already adjusted your expectations as to what your entertainment career is going to look like. I, I've seen that too. I think it depends on a, a on a what point in your entertainment career you have the children. Dude, if I if totally. I had gotten someone pregnant like five or six years ago, I don't know that I'd still be a comedian. Interesting. For sure not. I mean, I can't say I wouldn't be, but I, you know, would I have been out? doing late night at the comic strip until two in the morning monday through thursday for two years no probably not probably not yeah it's interesting man it is interesting and i i think a lot of the time what it boils down to is like i look at it in this way it's like as i've as i've done this you know you have your your big moments where things happen things go your way you make you have new milestones they're easier to achieve early on so like first couple years you can make a lot of progress Mm -hmm. even if you're not doing anything that great in the big scheme of things year five year six it can it can become harder to keep mm-hmm. making that progress right. all of a sudden people who've been doing it less than you are lapping you and like these are all disheartening and like along the road for me as my gas tank would slowly start to empty i any positive thing would put a little bit more in the yeah tank. exactly and then it would start emptying again and go back and i've always thought like there is a place where that tank gets empty enough that will break anyone yeah <laughs> and I've seen people just get unlucky for too long and they're like, I can't take it anymore. And if things had just fallen in their favor, if they could have lasted a little longer, you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, you have to be talented or focused or around long enough to get lucky. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's just in so many ways, it's a waiting game, but you have to work while you're waiting. Yeah. It's very hard to do that when you feel like everything is just on pause. Totally. And sometimes when you have a job and your job sucks, at least you are getting paid. Yeah. Whereas you have, you have to treat this like a job and not get paid for years. Yeah. And then to add insult to injury, not literally, uh, people in your life will be asking you what they'll be. They don't take you seriously. So they're like, Oh, you're a comedian. You are a comedian. Mm-hmm. You're doing it every day. You do it every single day. But what do you do for money? And there's an answer. You mm-hmm. have an answer that isn't comedy. And that just breaks you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I fold you know? clothes at Tommy Hilfiger <laughs> fucking Macy's. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, you know, like, good for you if you stick with it. Yeah. And if you don't, it's not the end of the world either. It's not that cool. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully a lot of this applies in some way to what other people out there might be pursuing. Right. Uh, for sure. Right. And when, and... It's all if you happen to romanticize uh, the life of a comedian or the journey or whatever. Just remember that it really sucks in a lot of ways too. Mm-hmm. Nothing is yeah. always awesome. Yeah. Grass is always greener. Spot on. I will be in Arlington, in the Washington D.C. metro area, July twenty second and twenty third. I'll be in St. Louis at Helium with Lil Sass from Barstool Sports, July 29th, thirtieth, 
and 31st. Tickets are at francisellis.com. Lots of other fun things coming. Sick. Um, I'm a side splitters, Tampa, um, Tampa area, I should say, because I'm at Wesley Chapel and uh, St. Petersburg. Uh, tickets on my site, it's 14th to the 17th of July. Um, I think there should be stuff available for that. Uh, Seattle, July 28th. I don't know if there are that many tickets left for that, so I would get those while you can. Uh, Crocodile, we'll be there for one night. should be really fun, and I look forward to seeing you soon.